Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Hey there, everybody. Steve Waters and Victor Kumar back again for another Investing Insights recording, film, television and podcasting. Yeah, and, and all the other good stuff around it. It feels like forever since we've done this. I don't mm. know why. I don't know if we missed one in the sequence or we were somewhere. I, I just feel like it's been years. No, I think it's because the market's moved so much. There's so much that has happened and we're also getting into that big rush at the end of the financial year as well. Yeah, good point. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as always at this time of the year, or traditionally anyways, how there can be a bit of a lull on the market, but mm. things may be different this yep. year. Um the other things I wanted to talk about today, Vic, is some of the investor profiles, which we've talked about in past podcasts, but I want to dr- drill into them a little deeper mm-hmm. and how it's affecting certain components of the market today. Yeah, especially in today's market, I suppose, isn't it? Well, it actually brings out certain profiles. Yes. Um, there's a really good game out there for those that uh, have heard of Robert Kiyosaki. He created the board game Cashflow. Uh, Cashflow. If you haven't played that game you really should. Mm. It is the best board game I think I've ever played in my life. But what it does do is it absolutely brings out the personality of the player. So whether you know if you're one that squirrels away cash mm-hmm. uh, or if you're a gambler, not a gambler, but a risk taker with elevated risk profiles, it just brings out everybody's personality. And the game, just as a heads up, if you do decide to play it, the game can go for an hour or it could go for 12 hours. Yes. Uh, so patience. And it's not the person with the most money that wins. Yeah, it's not yeah. The, the person with the highest income yeah, that doesn't win, yeah. win. Um, which actually could go into today's subject mm. as well around the different investor profiles, which we'll talk around a little bit later. So what's been happening over the last fortnight, Vic? What are you seeing, some of the nuances, not just within the market, but mm. let's talk about all components. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there is definite shift from a uh, you know own occupier purchase, first home buyer purchase to more of a investor driven market, uh, slowly but surely. Uh, so there's more investors uh, coming to the market, uh, but I'm also seeing that the vendors are still very much up here in terms of their pricing expectation. Um, agents are trying to get them the feedback that hey, the market's actually um, shifted slightly because there are more properties on the market. The first-time buyers and the and the home upgraders have uh, whittled down because those, if you look at it from a logical point of view, right, those that could buy from the beginning of this year to now, they're bought. So there's only the new people that are coming in. They're not at that volume. So the investors are now stepping back in. And investors are numbers-driven. They're not emotionally driven. We'd hope in, so. We'd hope so, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's one of the profiles. Um, so we're definitely seeing that shift happen in most markets. Um Although they're still going uh, gangbusters in terms of a lot of people are trying to sell before the end of financial year and get it settled. Others saying, you know what, I'll hold back until the new financial year. So they're all all that you know slight shifts in the market that we're seeing. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because what what I've noticed and uh, speaking with the rest of the team is that there are actually more listings. Mm. There is more stock on market. Uh, however, there's more buyers in exactly the market. Right. So the, yeah. the whole point is negated, if you will, around having you know, ample – or not ample choice but massive choice. Mm-hmm. It's still not there. Yeah. Um, and I say that sort of within its own confines. I mean, as investors, we're looking for certain components within, mm-hmm. a, a, within an area, within a property. Uh, we don't have those full emotional overlays, if you will. Mm. 
Um, but as you mentioned, also investor finance is shot through the roof. Yep. Uh, building approvals in two states are the highest it's been in mm-hmm. circa 27, 30, 30 odd years. Odd years. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's pretty easy to say why with all the homeowner grants and what have you, but mm-hmm. that's had a direct reflect reflection, I should say, on the market today as at this point in time because we're seeing the first homeowners disappear mm-hmm. from the market. And that's probably a strong word. They're not, they haven't disappeared, but they're, they're numbers. they bought are dramatically yep. reduced. Yeah, exactly, for a couple of reasons. One, they've already bought when the prices were lower mm. and those that haven't and who still want to take advantage of the grant, generally speaking, have now been priced out. The grant isn't yep. enough combined with whatever savings and job security mm-hmm. they have or you know, income. They've been, they've been priced out of the market. And mm-hmm. so what we're starting to see is the, the reinvention, if you will, or the reemergence is probably a better word, of the rent vester. Yep. So people are now saying, well, you know, I'm sick of the 200 people at every open home. I'm mm-hmm. sick of the lack of choice. I'm sick of being flogged at auctions or, you know, private treaty Dutch auctions as mm-hmm. we refer it to. I'm just going to put my money work to work elsewhere, you know, whatever the investment class is, yeah. and I'll rent the lifestyle, if you will. Yeah, and sometimes the desperation also comes through. So uh, two weeks ago, uh, there was a um, uh, auction block of land in uh, Schofields in New South Wales, right? Went for $1,025,000, right? This is just a 450 square block of land in suburbia. Um, so uh, a lot of people are doing the sums on saying, you know what, for a million bucks, if I borrow a million dollars, it's 3% interest rate. Uh, it's going to cost me $30,000 a year. I'll roll the dice. Mm, mm. You know, on that, I know the block. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I don't know it physically, but of the area I know very, very well. Uh, I like that because, as you know, I've got some stuff around yes, there. So <laughs> the more that happens, yes. the, the better it psychologically feels because it's all a profit on paper until mm. yep. you execute. Um but the first homeowners, yeah, they're definitely they're definitely retreating from the market. That's not to say because uh, they're worried. It's just that they can't. They can't get in. They can't get in. Mm. Um, what I also noticed uh, yesterday, I think it was, is NABs dropped the investor home loan rate by thirty basis points. Yeah, interesting. And now that's a direct. That's in direct um, conflict. Conflict, yeah. if you will. Uh, good word. I'll stuck there between what the the narrative is around interest rates going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet here's NAB who's dropped the investor rate down. Now, that's a bit of smoke and mirrors around that, of course, because you've got the true rate and then you've got mm-hmm. the discounted rate and all the other garb that goes with it. But the question is, have we seen have we seen the the flaw in the rates mm. today? Is this as good as it gets? Because we know that the four-year, three, four, five-year fixed. They're going up. They've gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the Reserve Bank who says, look, you know, it's not our – it's it's not not our problem. Of course, it's their problem, but yeah, you know, they don't want to interfere at this point of yeah. But the the, the Tuesday um, um, meeting that they had first first Tuesday of this month, um, they had a subtle shift in their uh, terminology where they said that uh, you know it needs to be monitored. Correct. Right, that so and they'll pull the levers via yeah. APRA and, and mm-hmm. what have you in some way, shape, or form. But to be fair to the RBA, to all the economists, to the bankers, and, and everyone around that space, nobody knew firstly that. COVID was going to happen. Except us, of course. Well, we, right? Yeah, we yeah. predicted, we predicted it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah of as, course. As a, every crisis <laughs> we can seem to predict. Yeah. it. Um, but then when it happened, everybody had their opinion. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, nobody knew nobody how it was going to roll out. Yep. But also on the flip side of that, where we are today, nobody knew that the recovery that strong was going to be this hard, this fast, this strong mm. to be where we are today. Like jobs numbers are through the roof. Mm. It's it's enormous. I know, who'd have thought? Yeah, like that quick. So we had 
job keeper, job seeker. Now we've got job creator, skilled labour as a shortage. And mm. it's not just in Australia, it's in other parts of the world as well. Yeah. So it's, as we were referred to, I think we're entering, if not we're already there, the, that roaring 20s mm-hmm. scenario. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. Uh, where everybody will live large on mm-hmm. the back of cheap and available credit. Yes. But in a weird kind of way, that's necessary mm. to get that economy wheels throughout the world starting to turn and starting mm-hmm. to spin. Yeah, and, and you can see the predictions coming in, right? So as an example, when uh, we entered COVID, most of the, um, the commentators and the banks, they came out saying, you know what, uh, it's going to be a 20% downfall in terms of price. And then they slowly, uh, so it was minus 20, and they slowly recovered to, it's, uh, you know, subtly became zero. And all of a sudden they're saying, you know, 5%, 10%, 30%. Um, now we've got Westpac that came out uh, two weeks ago and they're saying that Sydney is going to see 15% growth next year, 2022. They're likely to see uh, 7 to 10% growth. And then the following year, it's minus 1%, right? Mm. And, they, and they've made predictions all across the country in terms of... Yeah, Brisbane's the through yeah. the roof, Perth's through the roof, yeah. yeah. But like, we, like we've said before, right, these predictions are based on current trajectory, and when it gets a small correction in terms of its trajectory, those forecasts then go out the window and you've got to put in new forecasts. Hence, when we started with COVID, we started with 30% declines to, uh, sorry, 20% declines to 30% increases uh, because they're correcting it for trajectory, they're correcting their predictions based on trajectory. And we've all seen how quickly trajectory can change. It can change very quickly. Different directions. Mm. Look, I think, I, you know, my... My thought around this is economists exist to make weather forecasters look good. <laughs> and I don't I mean that with all respect. Now for complaints. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I I'm looking straight down the camera. I'm I say that with all respect because mm. there's only a limited amount of information that they can utilize yeah, to make a decision. Yeah. And at the end of the day, just like a weather forecaster, mm-hmm. you're looking at the components, you're looking at the current temperatures and so on and so forth to say, you know what? It's going to rain today or it's going to rain in five days' time. The market's going to go up, it's going to go down, it's going to go sideways. And every now and then it'll have it spot on. Yeah, and then they'll mm. be a hero. Yes. We told you so. Mm. It's, uh, once again, with all respect. All right. Um, the markets, very quickly. Mm-hmm. What are you seeing in the markets now, state by state, but just really quickly? Yeah, so well, one of the things I want to talk about is the um, vacancy factors in most states, right? Mm. So um, if you look at Sydney as an example, and this is testimony to how the market's recovering without immigration, right? Um, it, it, Parramatta was one of the areas where we had double-digit vacancy. So it was in the 20s in, in terms of vacancy factor when we entered COVID. Now it's still one of the highest vacancy factors in in the metropolitan area, but we're sitting at 8.4. So mm. that's a big drop from 20% plus to 8.4. Some sorry, some of those some of those numbers though, just like the forecasting, yeah. are distorted because it might have been two towers of units. Exactly right. Entered the market all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And now that's been absorbed. Well it inflated the the, the numbers and now it's got back to mm-hmm. you know wherever it may be. And when we when we try to educate people around this is look at the data sets because they're ever so important, but you have to overlay the ground truth. Ground truth All is the more time. important. No matter yeah. what, and there's probably as many data points as there is, there'd be equally amount of truth, ground truth mm-hmm. points. Mm-hmm. You know, whether yeah. it's from a, a council point of view, through to a development point of view, to pipeline analysis, there are so many different pieces or components that you need to put together mm. 
to make a worthwhile decision. Yeah, so when you're looking at data, you got to look at and, and, and ask that simple question, why? Why yeah. is the data showing this? What's behind the story? What's behind the data to give us this set of data? And is it transient? Is it more of a long term? Or is it something that's stilted, like you said, because you know, a whole block of units have come on the market because they've built it? I'll give you an example that from, I think it was last weekend or the weekend before, and it's not a block of units where there's volume. Mm -hmm. It was one single uh, auction result in a suburb uh, of Sydney, so out in St. Mary's in that Western Corridor, where the average price is circa 750 ish mm -hmm. or thereabouts. Um, just a standard three-bedroom house on a standard block. I think there might have been a tiny little bit of zoning uh, with it. However, the zoning was irrelevant because the block by itself, you could do nothing. You actually needed you know, the blocks either side or behind uh, to, to do something, to with, do it. something mm -hmm. with it. But the agent took it to auction uh, and was a little bit advantageous and said, you know what, look, the market's cooking. Let's take it to auction, but we're going to put a really ridiculous reserve on it. So they put 900 mm -hmm. thereabouts, which is like… That's crazy for that area, for that property. For that property, for mm -hmm. that area, it was crazy. But you know what? If you're a seller in today's market, roll the dice, have a crack. Mm -hmm. right? The opening bid was $900,000. It went for 1.8. Yep. Wow. Double. $1.8 million. Mm -hmm. And the agent, who I know, was scratching his head. So, well, that was, that was left field. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there was two or three bidders. Mm. But they just wanted it. But that one single sale with that one enormous result is now going to lift the averages. I wonder what will happen to the median price in that area. Correct. Right. That's where I'm going with it. Mm -hmm. And so once again, it all comes down to, well, I don't know why you'd pay that mm -hmm. to begin with. Yeah. And it wasn't as if they owned the, the, the surrounding properties to and make the it the best you like. could do was put a granny flat on it. I think that would have even been a little hard. Yeah. But nonetheless, someone paid at 1.8. Mm -hmm. hope it values up. Or that they've got yeah a fifty percent deposit whatever it may be yeah. because there's no way in this world that that property would value via mm. a registered value at one point eight yeah million. so let let's let's look at the process of that right so obviously they've overpaid unless they actually owned the properties around it yeah, they which which this was uh, you know a jigsaw puzzle that was missing to get a, high, a bigger development right so we don't know yeah um, so if they went and had a valuation which will not stack up because we know it will not stack up. Uh, there's no real uh, uplift in terms of pricing, to, uh, zoning to um, warrant that price. So they won't get finance. And unless they are cash buyer, they won't get finance. So they'll default on their contract. So the vendor will then come after them. First of all, they'll lose their 10% uh, deposit. Then when the vendor tries to resell the property and there's a gap between what they prayed and what market is, circa 900, uh, maybe let, let's be let's be generous and say million, mm. right? So now he's got to uh, show up the extra eight hundred thousand still to make up the difference because he was under contract with them and he had he couldn't complete. So this is where if you're speculating, if you haven't done your numbers correctly, and you get emotionally invested rather than invested in the opportunity itself, that's where you hurt yourself financially every time. Mm. So that then leads into the subject yes, it does. of today. Good segue. Well done. I don't know if you planned that. or oh, it Absolutely, it was planned like everything else in life. <laughs> or is you winged it, winged it, winged it, winged it, wung it, as uh, we tend to do on these podcasts. Yes, we do. Every we do. time. So the subject today. Um, now, on the surface, it may sound pretty boring uh, to the listener, but let me guarantee you that 
every single one of us have been at least one of these profiles mm-hmm. during our time as investors. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean in property. It could be in pencils, business, cars. Stamps. Shares, stamps. Mm. A dying breed. Yeah, I wonder if it would be, wouldn't mm. it? Yeah, when you go to the post office now, most of the time they just print out a label. A barcode. Mm. Interesting. There you go. Maybe you should shore up your cash flow with stamp collection. Yeah. Thought has crossed <laughs> me. And, and I'll, 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 send, I'll use that stamp to send, send you a letter from the Bahamas when I can travel. With a stamp liquor. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, all right. So there, are, there used to be, we always, it's not that we thought, we always really only spoke about four investor mm-hmm. profiles. But there's always been five. Yep. Someone, someone that emerges around this time two years down the track. Correct. Mm-hmm. Which we're going to use that one as, we'll talk about that one as the last one. Mm-hmm. And we'll go through these investor profiles one by one and maybe we can give some context around each of these profiles from our experience. Yes. So you get uh, so we'll air our dirty laundry, so to speak, and talk about our mistakes mm-hmm. that have encompassed these profiles at one stage or another. And I challenge anyone hand on heart to at least not say that they've been guilty of one of these. Yeah. Yep. Even the good ones. All right, mm-hmm. so let's start with them. The four investor profiles slash five, the fifth one which we'll talk about uh, at the very end because, as you say, they're going to come to the forefront in two in a couple to five of years', years time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the first one is the collector. Mm-hmm. So the collector, in the way I look at it, is loves ownership, buys something. Yeah. Is, I just want to be an investor. I know I should be. I don't really know a lot about it. Just jump in. I'll jump in. And it's usually in this time of the market that we mm-hmm. see the collector. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the guy with the break writes, hey, I bought another one. Um, you know, they become transactional in nature rather than strategic purchaser. And they, um, you know, they get caught up in the number of properties that need to own or, or you know, they mistake action with results. Correct. So they're, they're more worried about how many front doors they have. Yep. Um, even titles. Let's talk mm-hmm. about as titles. It is a brag right scenario, mm-hmm. or even if it's just one. Let's even strip the way of how many I own. Is I just need to do it because everyone else. Everyone is. else is. Yeah. Um, I don't want to miss out. I'm watching all the keyboard warriors mm-hmm. get onto the socials and say, "Look at me! Look at me! Look at me!" And I want a piece of that action. So now let's give our examples of. The collector. Do you want to go first, or you? Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah, you, go. you know, when, when I when I started out, obviously I bought the first um, uh, investment property, which is a unit, which I did all right with. Didn't know what I was doing. Right, I read a book by um, uh, Jan Summers, uh, creating wealth with uh, properties. Probably so, uh, probably about half of Australia has. Yes, yes, and if, and if you haven't, that is one of the books that you should. It, it's a bit of a dated information, but the concepts are still very much the same. Yeah, uh, I, I read that, um, got into a little bit of money uh, and um, couldn't decide when any minimum picked a unit and bought. Bought well in, in hindsight, but I wasn't and I didn't know what I was doing. Right? I remember uh, after a settlement, you know, getting into a hype and calling the broker and said, I, want, I, I need you to call me back in six months and, and uh, let's revalue this and, and um, you know, let, let's talk about another investment property because I'm ready to buy. And the broker just laughed, right? They said, yeah, I think you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. But I didn't listen, right? Because I was a collector at the time. So went ahead and bought two more villas, brand new, uh, already built. Uh, and um, 
fortunately they did work out all right but it was more good luck than good management right so i i became caught up in how many and how rapidly i could buy at that stage in my investing very similar story for me um bought the first two or three pretty rapidly um and you could there was an element element of collection mm-hmm. even from the very beginning because even if you do nothing if you collect one that's better than doing yeah. nothing um, mine happened to be in you know, reasonably good areas of Sydney at the time and they did very well, circa the same time as you, maybe a year after you mm-hmm. uh, or thereabouts. But that that moment in time was enormous in terms of the growth pattern, a little bit like today. Yes. Uh, so it, it allowed us to recycle very quickly. There was the the low-doc loan, you know, how much money do you want? Sign here, press hard, third copy's yours, mm-hmm. there's your, your yeah. money. So it was an interest rate back then. It was more the availability of finance because you could sign off on a loan. And it gave the ability to collect. Yes. Which Up. is the same now, right? Isn't it? Because interest rates it are so low. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, for me, it was, it was good. It was very good uh, until and then I rolled over into one of the other mm-hmm. profiles, which we'll get to in the minute. So collect, being the collector, the collector investor is not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So long as you collect the right stuff as long as you collect the right stuff. But what it really does is there's no plan to it. There's no strategy. There wasn't really an exit strategy in that sense, was there? No, yeah. no. But even today, if you're a collector and you just get one, maybe two properties mm. in the right areas, whether that be via good luck or good management, if that's all you ever do, generally speaking, you'll be okay. It's better than having done yeah. nothing. Could you have done better? Potentially. But you could have also done nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's around the availability of credit, not so much the cost, which yeah. we'll get to in a little bit uh, down the track. But before the, before before being a collector, everyone's an observer. Mm. That's the second profile. Yeah, and that person is typically split into two camps: the observer that is doing so because they're gaining knowledge, mm-hmm. they're paper trading, so to speak. Yeah, so they're doing the they're reading the blogs, they're reading the books, they're watching the videos. Um, they're studying the data, trends, all the good stuff so that you can make educated decisions when you have circa six, seven, eight hundred million dollars on the line. On the other side of the ledger though, there's the observer that is just loves the idea once again, but does nothing because they're just analyzing. In, yeah. Analysis paralysis. I've missed the boat. I should have done it yesterday, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to do it. Well, no, I should have done it today, but now it's tomorrow. Yep. Should have done it last year. There's always a reason mm. as to not doing. And usually that reason, to be fair, is I think is is wrapped around fear. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The, the fear is not so much will I lose money, although that's inherently what it is at the basis of everything, but mm-hmm. it's also around I've missed the market. Yeah. Or do so, I know so it's, enough? It's the fear of missing out in reverse, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's the fear of, I was going to say Fongo, that was our other one, fear of yeah. not getting out, but that's – that's next cycle. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that next cycle. Um, but it is. It's. It's. There's always a fear element in there. Mm. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Remember, we actually did that about yeah. five, six, ten dozen podcasts or mm-hmm. Facebook lives ago. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah, uh, will be the terminology and narrative or narrative of a lot of investors mm-hmm. or a lot of would be investors. Yeah. In and, the and a lot of lot of people you talk talk with, right? And uh, when we talk um, properties, they say, "Oh, I, I had this property that I should have bought, but." You know, I missed out on it. There's always that story. Mm. And that's usually the observer. Or also it could be someone that's simply not prepared. Yeah. And it's – you've missed the opportunity because you weren't proactive. Mm-hmm. 
And then that, um, I don't know, that not that moment in time where you, you just, you now doubt yourself whether now is the right time. Yeah. And not that, and I'm being very general here, the right time is always now. Mm. We've talked about it before. We've probably done better in a falling market. That's right. As investors than a yeah. rising market. But, you know, to, to get to the profits, to get to the end goal, you've got to be in the market to begin with. So you've got to control the opportunity. That's right. And that's what real estate investing is. For mm-hmm. me, it's about identifying the opportunity, executing and then controlling the opportunity because it is only an opportunity yeah. until it's starting to reward you, whether that mm-hmm. be via growth, organic, manufactured, cash flow, whatever it may be. It's just about the opportunity. Mm. And, and and controlling the opportunity without putting at risk all of your good hard work um, uh, that that we've got right, which brings us to the uh, next type of investor, which is the speculator. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. everyone has been a speculator, mm-hmm. absolutely. And if you drill down into it, really, you know, without being, uh, I'm not trying to be negative here. Any investment class has a form of speculation around it. Mm. Will it go up? Yeah. There's an element of speculation in there, which is because different. We can't, we can't predict the future, can we? No. And I know some people like to think they can, but it's yeah. just… Tea, tea leaves and, you know, coffee stains, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. It, uh, have you done that? Have you bought one of your properties by reading the tea leaves? <laughs> <laughs> the tea leaf investor. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's the next book. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe that's something you could write. <laughs> the tea, yeah, because I'm, I'm deep like that. Um, the speculator… So loves the action, buys nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's yeah. or if they buy, sorry, buys anything. Yeah. I should say buys yeah. anything. It um, just loves the thrill of the chase, loves mm-hmm. the thrill of the the execution, but more so loves to brag and loves to accumulate front doors. Mm. So it's it's an ego. There's an element of ego. Yeah, and quick wins. Correct. Yeah. And you roll the dice. So you're usually at one point or another, you'll elevate your risk profile in line with what the speculative opportunity mm. is. Now, that's usually around a development site, mm-hmm. around a renovation, somewhat to an area, yep. you know, which is around you know, zoning changes and infrastructure, mm-hmm. massive in- infrastructure in far-flung areas and you know, whatever it may be. Um, but we've all been there. Mm. Yeah, speculation. Actually, you give me your story of speculation. Then I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, you know speculation one. Um, could be recent, or it could be from back in biblical times. <laughs> I, see, I don't don't speculate anymore because it's all methodical now. Because when you speculate, most people when they're speculating, they're looking at only the positive sides. Right? What what will go right, and how I'll make my money, how much money I'll make. They don't look at what could go wrong. Yeah, uh, or they don't look at the finer details. And if I if I drill back, it's probably one of my first um, development forays, which you know I had all the elements of everything that you shouldn't do without guidance, right? So what part of what we do is um, we help you map it out to say, okay, these are things that can go wrong, these are the uh, things that can go right. So we weigh it up and uh, make sure that it's a standalone development. Don't do the development unless it is standalone on that property. So it relies on the equity and the cash flow of that property. So you don't undo all of the good work that you've already done, right? Mm. Um, I bought a DA site in Queensland. Now this is way, way back. You know, not 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 at a time when the flights were ninety nine dollars, 
right? So flights were five hundred dollars. So this uh, is back. Did yeah. you get lured by the man in the shiny suit and briefcase? No, no, I didn't actually. I I, I actually put the strategy together to say, okay, I want to go. I actually went to um, uh, a, a seminar and and the uh, property seminar, and this was by Peter Span, who recently passed away. Um, he was one of the one of the good guys back then, uh, and um, his strategy was to get into a development site as as your elevated strategy. Um, manufacture the equity and then get into shares of that equity, right? So, um, of course, I wanted to get into the development side, get 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 my hands dirty, and the trifecta of it was that I um, um, decided that the entry point is cheaper in Queensland back then. So I'm talking uh, probably 99, 2000, 2001, yeah. Um, so the entry price is cheaper in Queensland. So uh, I, I got a property in Queensland that is DA approved. Didn't have all the details in terms of how it's, I'm going to map it out in terms of um, finance, in terms of process. Um, I was speculating on the end result. That almost took me out of the market for two years because it took that long because I hadn't mapped it out properly. So that was my speculation. Now, for, fortunately, over time, it went okay, right? And um, um, it, it's, it's paid its dividends, but geez, it was painful. It was painful. I think every... Long-term investors got one of those. Yes, it uh, thing with development is that it can be hugely rewarding, mm. but more times than not, it isn't. Yeah, I mean, you pick up the financial review by a DA site. You're a developer, mm-hmm. but there's so many more complexities around it to make it profitable, so that you don't put the house at risk, yep. or the entire business, if mm. you will, at risk. So, anyways, what about you? I was trying to get away from that. <laughs> no, no. wasn't going to let you get away. Uh, look, for me, speculation wasn't so much around the property. It was around finance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I'll go all in on this particular opportunity because I'll be able to recycle out of it within four months. Mm-hmm. And because it was a massive renovation, you know, all the bells and whistles, it's what I – this is going back in 2004. Mm. So I bought a um, – the deal was good. I bought a, a burnt-out house because mm-hmm. I loved them. It was a hot property. Hot tip. That's a bad dad joke. <laughs> that's, that's really bad. It, um, we'll talk about that later, Victor. <laughs> it, um, yes, son. <laughs> it, oh, yeah, I bought, a, I bought a burnt property and I'm, when I say it was burnt, it was, it was burnt mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, and uh, I bought it. Without finance, it was very cheap. Um, it was in Sydney. But I didn't – because A, you weren't going to lend against it, so I took a line of credit against something and I bought it. But the whole premise was I was going to recycle out of it very, very quickly because I had another deal that was around probably six months later, so you needed, I needed to recycle the capital. Um, and at the time, you could do that at that moment in time. So anyway, I bought the burnout property, stripped it out, rebuilt it, added massive value to it in a very short period of time. However, I couldn't get the finance to recycle out of it mm-hmm. because the everything changed within that ecosystem around finance at that given time. And it can change that quickly as well. That's the moral mm-hmm. of the story is everything can change, but I put it not necessarily all on the line, but it was all on the line for the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. It was almost you know, like a parlay, yeah. if you will, uh, and it just didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. Finance was not there to be taken. Now the result of that, the worst case scenario for me was, well now I had this really tremendously valued property with no debt against it. Mm. 
I just couldn't get my money. Yeah. So money was stuck in there. The money, the equity, Mm. capital was stuck in there and I needed it. I wanted it Mm -hmm. for the next opportunity, but I couldn't. So the speculation was not on the property. It was around the vehicle, which is the finance. Hey, there's a big play happening in terms of speculators, right? And, And this is in Victoria with their state budget. Mm. So uh, a lot of people there, uh, if you're not across it, uh, state budget, one of the things there was that if your land gets rezoned and it doubles in value, you're paying a whole lot of tax, right? And it's a state-based tax. So someone that's bought a property waiting for the zoning to come through, you can have this sovereign risk where it moves the goalposts significantly, uh, and uh, from a profitable site, you come into a site that's actually going to cost you quite a bit of money. If you're paying for the zoning, if you're paying for the right to develop it and you're not, as we call it, cutting 30% mm. on a development, you're, you're amplifying the risk at yes. that given time. There's one other example which you have forgotten about around speculation mm-hmm. and it was all for the right – it was one of our properties that you and I own. Mm-hmm. And like, if, you can, I'm, I'm oh, no, right, I'm watch, if anyone can see, I don't know if that camera's on your face right now, your eyes are going like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> it, um, but this is an example of everything was checked, measured, you know, our 30 point sort of diligence checklist, if you will, ticked every box and some. However, what was completely out of our control, and this, and the reason, sorry, I'll come back a step. The reason this was, I, we could categorize this or fall into the bucket of speculation is because it was a development. Yes, I know what you're talking about that. So the story, anyway, so what happened? So we bought it on a prayer and a whim, right? <laughs> wing and a prayer. Yeah, wing and it, a prayer. Yeah. yeah. So we bought a church um, and our, some of our clients who we've told this story to before, they'll know what we're talking about. Uh, we bought a church not because it was a church, it was just the opportunity. A so church had, and two we had, houses. We had heavenly tenants. It's uh, dad joke number two. That was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, so it was a church and two houses mm-hmm. and two street frontages. Yes. I think it was, yeah. So a development site. Ticked all the boxes, had all the zoning, everything was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the church was non-functioning. Yep. So it wasn't this big grand, sta- grand sandstone piece of beautiful architecture, if you will. It was literally a, a hall yep. with two fence palings as a cross and that was it, mm-hmm. right? But it was a church nonetheless. Um. So we bought it controlling – in our minds, it was like, well, that fits, that fits into, our, into our combined portfolio very, mm-hmm. very well. It's got the cash flow. We've got the upside in terms of the equity that we've created just by buying it, market uplift. So organic, organic. But in three to five years' time, which is about now, we'll develop it mm-hmm. and take advantage of the market. However, everything was going according to plan until – Two years ago. Two years ago. And this is how fickle – when you don't, when you have all your eggs in the one basket, which we didn't, but you could come unstuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it all came undone when council, in their great wisdom, put a uh, an overlay mm-hmm. on the church. So they gave a a, um, uh, a temporary heritage listing on it. A temporary heritage listing, and we fought it, mm-hmm. and we lost, and we fought it again, and we lost. Um, so what had happened is this. Development site now was null and void. It yep. was now not a development mm-hmm. site. Um, and that can happen. Zoning can change. And anyone who's dealt with heritage or character listing, like that's set in stone. Like mm. you, that's that's a, a 
a land environmental high court scenario. Yeah. So it takes time, and, correct? And energy, yeah. To, to get, and this wasn't, yeah, this wasn't a multi-billion-dollar investment. Yeah. Uh, sorry, development site. This was just for. There's 15, 15 townhouses that yeah. you're going to build there. Yeah, so a bit more than giggles, maybe. <laughs> it was, um, <laughs> but it. Uh, so the development deal was opportunity was off the table, mm. and we sold it. Yeah. So one of the things that we did with that was whilst we did speculate on the um, the higher yield on this investment, we also looked at, okay, what's our get out of jail card, which was pretty much selling it and, and making a profit. So uh, we sold the church. We still hold the other two properties uh, where, uh, you know, pretty much relatively when you, when you take the sale price of the church itself, we virtually own the other two unencumbered. Correct. But part of those check measures that we did is, A, we bought it under market value at mm-hmm. that given point in time, which is not always possible, but yep. at back then it was. We had the cash flow to support it self-generating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so had, it wasn't costing us anything to help. Correct. We had upside in terms of the development, which never ended up taking place, but we also had upside in terms of just org- organically sitting there and giving it a haircut and a shave mm-hmm. or the other dwellings a haircut yeah. and a shave. So we had the risk mitigation in place. The development was the cherry mm-hmm. on top. But th- that you could put into the bucket of a form of speculative yeah, investing. And it would certainly be something that I would not suggest to people in their beginning stages of investing mm-hmm. ever even entertain something like mm-hmm. that. You know, there was circa 20 years of experience before that yeah. of making other mistakes to make sure that we could mitigate what could go mm-hmm. wrong will go wrong. Yes. And that's exactly what happened. That's right. And so we were able to walk away with our money, right? And this is where most speculators, um, when, when it goes against them, and, and you know, well, 80% of the time it generally does go against you uh, if you haven't done the full due diligence or if you've gone in way too much in terms of uh, you know, dollar signs in your eyes. Um, uh, you, you need to have that mitigation in place to say it won't work out as a development. Does it work out as a buy and hold? If it doesn't work out as a buy and hold, what's my get out of jail card with this property? It's a good point. So the development is the bonus. Yes. Is it self-sustaining, whether mm-hmm. that be via growth or capital uh, capital gains or cash flow, whatever it may be to you, mm-hmm. what's the fallback and yeah. does it still make sense? Mm. Then you can entertain it. Unless you're the type of speculative, speculative investor, the speculator, that just wants to heads or tails, red or black. Yeah then that's a different type of speculation, which I've never done that. No. Um, like it, my risk profile doesn't allow me to do that. As I've often said, if I can't sleep at night, I won't do it. Always mm. have been that way. Um, but there is a type of speculator out there that we're seeing very much in today's market, massively in today's market, that is just thinking that the sun will shine forever at the current brightness levels mm-hmm. or the current sort of uh, sort of pattern of growth. Yep. And – it won't be. Mm. In fact, I think we've seen peak rate of growth in some areas throughout Australia Correct. and it'll start to shallow off a little bit now. Still growth. Mm. Um, but there are those that are risking all Yeah, yeah. for the short this term is, this win. Is not, this is not the market. To, well, there is no such market where you should risk all, right? There, there needs to be a uh, forethought of things will go wrong, whether it's with the property, the economy, with life itself. So what are my risk mitigations? Now, how do I get out of this? It's very easy to get into a property transaction. It's much harder and much more expensive to get out. All dictated by the liquidity within the market mm-hmm. of that particular area. So realistically, you're the, the speculator on the, the bad side is the crypto investor of property. Ooh, yeah. It's a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. 
really doesn't understand it. Yep. But because everyone's making because, money, I'll jump on. Exactly. Yeah. And it's got to be the thing of the future. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it is. I don't know. But it's when you don't fully understand it and it's a bit of a pump and dump or scenario like crypto could be, mm. but you don't want to miss out on that tremendous buoyancy within the market. So yeah. I'll, I'm all in. Mm. Or maybe you put a little bit in to begin with, you get a win, but then you just start to amplify the, yeah. the dollars in. Yeah. So then we come to the fourth profile. And this is the investor. Mm-hmm. So loves the opportunity, but they buy the right thing. Yeah, strategic buying. Correct. And unfortunately, sometimes, well, back when we started back in the day, there was no real education. No. It was more of a, here's an American book. Yep. Try and make it Australian. Try, yeah, try and convert it into Australianism mm-hmm. and have a crack, have a go at it and and see where it leads you. But there was many, many different components back then too. Remember mm-hmm. there was, as I mentioned earlier on, there was the low doc loan. It was the beginning of the first homeowner grant yep. as well. Um, there was buoyancy within the market. But it's all of those mistakes that we made and that puts us in a very good position today to say, not look at our wins, but here are the things that we did wrong. That, that we did wrong. This didn't work. I suggest strongly you don't do that. Mm. Speculation is one of them. Being a collector is another. Being an observer, but where you want to end up is the investor. Yeah. So if you look at it from a from a war point of view, right? Who would you want to be led by? The general that's seen many wars using the up to date equipment, or the general that's just been promoted, never seen uh, you know live war has always done it on textbook and he's leading you. That's, okay. I'm, as you were saying that, I'm just thinking of um, all my armed forces clients <laughs> who are listening to that. So here we go. Victor's giving us a lecture on how to shoot guys. Um, I won't go down that rabbit hole. So the investor, that's ultimately what you want to mm-hmm. end up as is the investor. That's where you make the right decisions, where you're always prepared. You're prepared to execute opportunities as they present themselves, but you're also looking at it on the far distant horizon. Yes. And yes, you're reliant upon or, or you want the organic growth, but you've looked after your cash flow mm-hmm. and you're also looking to potentially manufacture equity on Correct. top of it. So you become more of a sophisticated level of investor yeah. as opposed to Even if you don't own any properties, right? You're starting off in, in a sophisticated level, right? So looking at both sides of the equation, growth and cash flow, you're investing with uh, a view at what's, where it's going to end up and then you're also then drilling back to this is the cash flow I've got right now. Um, this is the time I've got up my sleeve uh, and this is the capital I've got. So this is where it best fits my own personal situation. It's a good point because as as the investor, and it doesn't have to be about property, it could be mm-hmm. about any asset class for that matter, the strategy that you deploy is always just pivoting slightly. Yep. It's just moving from... Yeah, side to side of true north because a it can sometimes because you need to mm-hmm. could be your your life circumstances have changed could you imagine being an investor who has gone all in on let's call it growth mm-hmm. nothing but growth and this is going to lead into the next profile in the minute so i won't give it too much away but all in on growth in your life so no don't worry about the cash flow and suddenly your circumstances change mm-hmm. because you've had triplets yep or there's a COVID pandemic or there's mm-hmm. a GFC or there's an APRA handbrake, whatever it may be, because there is always something. Yeah. And you're now locked in or backed into a corner because of a lack of 
I don't know, fiscal responsibility from at the get-go. Mm. And as we've said, the state of your wallet dictates a state of your mind. Now you're making sort of desperate choices. Desperate choices on the fly because you had no flexibility yes. in your strategy. So as an investor, we're always looking at the end in mind, but we're also controlling the now. Mm. As we mentioned, I think it was last podcast with Phil, don't invest in a problem you can't solve. Yeah. Like it's yeah. as simple as that. Mm. And the problem is always you. Mm. Everything else is superficial. It's just you're the problem. Yeah. So get a grip. <laughs> There's a, <laughs> a bit of counselling or not. Alrighty, now we come to the fifth profile. Mm-hmm. And it's at this time of the cycle they don't exist. Yeah. But they will in call it three to five years. Absolutely they will. And we've seen it every cycle. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about it much because we don't want to we don't want to talk or create this sort of negative component about being an investor. And it's and whilst on the surface it sounds like what we're about to talk about is negative, it's not. It's just being responsible. Mm-hmm. And that profile is Victor Chucksy's pen across the table, yeah. had a hissy fit, spat the dummy, <laughs> is the the resentful investor. Mm-hmm. And this to me is Probably one that I haven't had, to be fair, um, in the negative sense, probably yep. in the positive sense, which we'll talk about as well. But the resentful investor is almost always uh, comes out of their hidey hole. When yeah, things don't go their way. When things don't go their way. And what we're really referring to here is, and it goes back to a statement I made a minute ago around cash flow and growth. Now, when we talk about cash flow, just as a to preface this, it's not about positive cash flow. It's about cash flow to your unique circumstances and what you can control within your capabilities mm-hmm. and thresholds. So today's market, just as it was at the end of the GFC, clearly is buoyant. And we mentioned that at the beginning of COVID. Yes. Or even maybe a bit way into it where we said this has the same vibe. Mm-hmm. This ecosystem now has the same vibe as what it did. During the GFC. Or no, no, just after GFC. No, no, like 2001 when yep. things doubled. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Right? Had the same mm-hmm. sort of, you know, mm-hmm. you can feel it. Yeah. You know, there's electricity in mm-hmm. the air. And yeah. Look and then also, uh, you know, if you take the GFC into account, people are sort of fearful and then they realise, hang on, you know, there's opportunity here. They jump back in, but then they jump back in too hard as well. Correct. And that's the resentful investor because mm. what happens is they let go of all common sense mm. and the wealth is the growth, right? We, we all know that. The yep. cash flow just keeps us in the game, but the – the resentful investor focuses on nothing but growth. They want a piece of the action. So it's almost a combination of the collector, the observer, and the speculator all in at the one time. Mm-hmm. And all they want is growth because everything's humming along. Let's not worry about the cash flow. Rates are low, yep. as an example. Yields are relatively high depending on where you are. My job security is there. The economy's bouncing very, very well. So I can afford all of this even though the cash flow is, let's call it 2%, mm-hmm. just making it up. Uh, as a yield. So I just want nothing but growth, 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 because that's what I hear. Yep. However, then things turn and rates start to go up. Mm-hmm. The rate of growth starts to shallow Tables out yep. to a point where it goes sideways or even may contract a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're giving some of the growth back. It's giving some of the growth back, but now suddenly the lack of cash flow becomes very apparent mm. because when you're growing – and you've got no cash flow, you tend to, well, I'll tuck that to the side. I'm getting all this growth. I can substantiate 
the fact that I've got no cash flow, I can live with it. But when the growth goes, the cash flow become, or the lack of cash flow becomes very, very apparent and they become resentful to the property. Mm. They forget the good times and now it's about the now. So it's like oh, I've got no growth. I've got a massively, massively negative cash flow um, situation. There's probably a dozen other components that are going on within their personal life or the, the greater economy to also get a little bit of negative overlay on top of it so they become resentful to the property or the portfolio mm-hmm. and then they sell. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at it historically, right, um, and, and from a statistical point of view, most investors that, uh, that are, you know, your speculators, uh, your, your collectors, they end up selling within three to five years of ownership, right? And, and um, if you look at it from a mechanics point of view, the, the shine's gone off. Right, so they realize, hang on, I didn't look at the other side of the equation. Then you've also got, obviously, uh, if they bought, take, you know, factoring in tax, uh, your tax benefits and all that. So, you know, that's starting to taper off as well. And something happens with finance, right? You, you normally go in interest only, and the interest only is either three or five years. So when it turns to principal and interest, all of a sudden they realize, hang on, I need to double my money uh, in terms of, the cash flow that I need to uh, allocate to this property to help hold on to it. And, and the growth is now starting to taper off as well. So I'm not seeing any growth. It's actually going backwards. Ooh, I might lose a lot of money over here. So they, they become fearful. They, they, they become, uh, as you said, resentful because it's now starting to impact on lifestyle. And there's no upside. Yep. The upside's been and gone. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. thing is, when that happens to you as an investor, it's probably happening to 70% of the exactly other right. greater population. So that's the beginning of a down, downturn in the market as mm-hmm. people put their properties on the market because they, now they have Fongo. Yes. I got it in. Fear of not getting out. <laughs> like, but, but it's like, well, now I've got no growth. It is absolutely putting me on the bread line here. Mm. Rates have gone up as well to compound the problem. I've rolled over into a, a P&I scenario. Yep. And I can't refinance because the metrics have changed. Yep. The whole finance ecosystem has changed, mm. which then has an effect because it's harder to get finance for the incoming buyer and that yeah. wheel starts mm-hmm. to spin in the anti-clockwise, yeah. so to speak. And so the resentful investor, their beginnings are right now, mm. are, are in this market. Yes. Because they're not thinking three to five, mm-hmm. 10 to 15, yep. 20 to 30. They're just thinking about the now and I want a piece of mm-hmm. the action. So probably out of all of them, they all combine or accept the investor profile. That's where you want to be mm. at the end. But the collector, the speculator, the observer all lead, if you don't adjust your path, they all lead to becoming the resentful Mm. investor without fail. And we see it every Mm. single cycle. It's just that some cycles take longer or some are shorter. Yeah. And so part part of us actually uh, helping you with the journey in terms of preventing this resentful investor from coming out, you know, uh, is doing our constant reviews because that then keeps you true to the cash flow of the portfolio, keeps you true to the end goal that you're achieving because over a period of time, because we're not looking at these goals regularly uh, from, from a general point of view, you tend to lose sight of it, right? And, and you forget why you bought the property in the first place. You forgot why you're even doing it. Yeah. You've got this general thing about, yeah, I just want passive income or you know, I want the wealth. Mm. You lose the tangibility of it. Correct, which is why we talk about the designer decade yes. because you've got the one, three, five, year benchmarks which mm-hmm. keep you interested yeah and as you mentioned those reviews are so so important buying the property is only 50 percent mm. of the equation it's how you control it afterwards yeah 
And you can't have your finger on the pulse of all the different components within a market unless you are continually on top of each of those components. And that's not physical, physically possible mm. unless you do it yeah. every day of the week. So take advantage of the reviews. Yeah. Absolute, absolute necessity. We are out of time, Vic. Yeah, we are. Certainly are. So uh, how do people get in touch with us? I'll, I'll throw you throw that, that to you. See whether you, <laughs> see, see whether you remember. <laughs> I do. It, uh, look, you can get in touch with us via the socials, you know, Insta, uh, LinkedIn or Facebook. Um, or you can just drop us an email at questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Happy to answer the questions where we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can't, we'll point you in the right direction to those service providers or those professionals that can. Um, and that's all we've got. The five investor profiles, Vic, not four anymore. Yep, that's it. It's Markets five. change and uh, therefore um, new, new profiles come up. It is. Now, look, if you haven't or you do enjoy the podcasts uh, or the YouTube videos, please just drop us a review, give us a like, give us one, two, three, four, five stars, whatever it may be. It does mean a lot to everybody behind the scenes and us, of mm-hmm. course. You know, we like to keep on top of things and know that we're doing a satisfactory job so that we don't become resentful yes. of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, but it's good. We, As we've mentioned before, we don't really uh, – we don't at all – um, do any prep for this? We no, so as, as as we are driving in, I called you, and uh, this is the topic we came up with, right? So it it's, is it's not something that's premeditated. It's it's based on our longevity in the market, many property cycles, many mistakes, and of course, uh, you know, helping many clients from many walks walks of life um, get successful uh, in property investing. Absolutely, and apart from the podcasts or the YouTube channel, we have the Facebook Live every second Thursday. I was going to say Tuesday, but, uh, every second Thursday. Uh, they're up on the Facebook page as well if you want to watch them a little later or join in on the night because uh, it's live, it's interactive clearly and we'd love to be throwing all the different questions. Yep, and we can answer your questions then and there. Absolutely. All right, Vic, we are done. We'll done. see you next, done. next time. We'll see you in the next fortnight. Bye-bye for now. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.